0: Well, as we wrap up our series called Defining Moments, I want to talk to you from this thought. Don't give up. Do not give up. And I, I want to share with you my life verse. This verse is, is my verse. It has had deep impact on my life. It's my, my life verse. It has been that, that my life verse for several years. Uh, and I, I just live by this verse. And it's Galatians chapter 6. In verse number nine, it says, Let us not become weary in doing good. For in due season, at the proper time, we will reap a harvest if we do not give up, if we do not faint. In other words, God will give us defining moments. He will give us a harvest. He'll give us breakthroughs and miracles and blessings if we do not give up. If you're new with us today uh, for the series Defining Moments, what we've been talking about is one moment can change the course of your life. And, And throughout this series, I have been sharing my biggest defining moments and today I'm sharing my fourth biggest defining moment, and it's a huge moment that changed the course of, who, of my life. I'm who I am today because of this defining moment. Do not give up. And I remember going off to college in the state of Arkansas, and as I was there my freshman year, I, I really was missing home. Anybody from Weewoka? I know there's a few Weewoka folks who attend the church, and you know Weewoka had a hold on me. It had a—I couldn't get it out of my system. I needed to get back to Iwoka. I was missing my friends. I was missing the small-town environment. Everybody knew everybody. You know, I knew everybody there. And, and I just was missing it. And I almost left college to go back to Iwoka. And you see, I grew up in a home where, where none of my immediate family had a college degree, had a four-year uh, degree. And so, you know what? I can make it without that. It's not that important It's what I was thinking in my mind. I'll just go back to Iwoka. And yet, I'm so glad... I I did not give up, and I got my college education. It was foundational for what God wanted to do in my life. Listen, I am just want to interject this. I'm talking to somebody right now that's a student in college, and it's hard right now. You actually flunked the class, and you're thinking, I'm going to give up. Don't you give up. Stay the course. You're thinking about going back to college. You're going back for your master's degree. Do not give up. I remember when I started Herbert Cooper Ministries Incorporated, graduating from college and starting a nonprofit 501 501c3 ministry to travel full-time around the nation and the world to preach God's word and I shared with you last week if you were here, I talked about getting out the boat and I shared that story of how I got out the boat and started the ministry and walked on the water. And don't you love sermons like that? It's like, man, that is awesome. But in a 30-minute message, I didn't have time to to unpack for you the entire story. So you got to hear I got out the boat and walked on the water. You're like, woo! didn't God show up? Amen. But let me back up a little bit with you, give you a little bit of the walking on the water story Uh, because I wanted to give up. You see, Herbert Cooper Ministries started in my dorm room. It was the international headquarters. The international headquarters of Herbert Cooper Ministries was in my dorm room. And, And you see, when I started out, people didn't call me to come preach. I called them. And I'd get one engagement for about every 10 calls I made. You know, I would try to get through the admin and secretarial staff to try to get to the pastor, which I hardly ever got through, you know, but sometimes they would call me back. They would call back to international headquarters in my dorm room, and they would call, and I would answer the phone. Herbert Cooper Ministries, true story, Herbert Cooper Ministries. Can I speak with Herbert? Yes, hold on, please. Hello, this is Herbert. How are you today? Yeah, I mean, hey, 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 that's how we started out. You see what I'm saying? People say, people, people pay for you to travel around America at 20, 21 years old? Well, there are oftentimes I, I actually paid to go preach. I bought my own plane ticket. Uh, to go preach and I can remember flying into New York City I was so excited to go preach I flew myself in and and I can remember they they put me up in a luxury hotel I mean I couldn't wait they drove pulled me up to the luxury hotel it was a rehabilitation drug center and so that was where they pulled me up to and this is where you're staying tonight I said oh all right hey hallelujah got out and you know my rooms you know the drug addicts recovering and I'm in one of the rooms and they put me in a room so here's your room Mr. Cooper and there was no sheet on the bed urine stains everywhere I said hey brother just get a sheet you know what I mean I'll be all right with just give me a sheet and, and that's how I started off trying to call people trying to make it happen trying to call to preach God's word I stayed and slept in dog hair on beds cuz they put me up in some room and with dog hair and and it was it was obscurity it was tough it was beating down the doors, believing God to open doors, and I, there were days I wanted to give up. It cost me more money to get there than what they even gave me. It was, it was tough, but can I tell you, I am glad I did not give up. I kept pressing, I kept moving, and then I talked to you about the water walking story, but I'm telling you, there were days of obscurity, there were days of tears, there were tough days. I wondered if I was going to make it, if I was going to have two pennies to rub together to buy bread, but I'm glad I did not give up. We started People's Church in 2002. And if you're, you're, you're new to People's Church within the last year, two or three, and you don't know the story, and I, last week I talked about walking on the water and God is moving in a miracle. But, but the part of the story you may not know is we, we moved here in, in 2002 and we started the church on Mother's Day in, of 2002. And I was so excited. I was 26, had kind a of big old dream from God. And I thought, man, this thing's going to be explode. God's hands on us. He's going to move in a powerful way. And that first Sunday, we had 65 people show up at grand opening. Now, some of you guys, you're like, man, that's awesome, Pastor. But that wasn't a dream I had. Because the part I didn't tell you is 65 of those, you know, 65 people, some of them were family members. They didn't come back the next week. You know what I mean? Ooh, look at Herbie Jr. Ooh, Herbert Jr. Starting the church. Uh-huh. And when we started running 40 people and 50 people, and I was fighting depression because this wasn't the dream I had. At that point, I was traveling around America. I was speaking in large venues and ministering to people and flying back and and preaching to to 40, 45 people, and that's called that's kids and everybody, amen. So there's 25, 30 people in the auditorium, you see, and I'm I'm preaching, and I I, I told you last week I, I, I didn't take a salary from the church, so I'm underwriting the church by traveling, and so I'm working two jobs to try to make the church go, and I'm wondering, did I miss God? This is the hardest thing I've ever done. This is, not, this is not what I dreamed of when I started a church. This is what, not what I thought this was going to be. But can I tell you, I am so glad I did not give up and throw in the towel. I experienced a defining moment because I did not grow weary in doing good and did not give up. And today, I want to talk to you about a man in the Bible who experienced some defining moments, but he went through some challenges. His name is David. Let let me talk to you for a few minutes about the life of David. You see, David, if you're not familiar with the story, David has some defining moments. One of his defining moments is he became the second king of Israel. One of his defining moments was, was, was King David not only was excuse me, was the second king of Israel, but King David was in the genealogy of Jesus. I mean, that, that is amazing. That, that, that is a, a defining moment to be in the bloodline of Jesus. And, and not only that, but, 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 but King David, he had the greatest accomplishment that any human being could ever have. He received the greatest reward and honor, and that is this, King David Was described by God Himself as a man after my own heart. Friends, that's powerful. That's a defining moment. But I want you to understand that His defining moment did not come without opposition, without challenges, and without obscurity. He went through some stuff to experience His defining moment, and He experienced those moments because David did not give up. And I want to minister to your heart today because some of you have a dream. You have some moments you believe in God for, some miracles, some blessings you believe in God for, and you're not seeing them come to fruition yet. And I want to talk to you about this in-between place of do not give up. Four challenges that cause people to give up. Four challenges that cause people to give up. Number one is this. Don't give up when people don't believe in you. Don't give up when people don't believe in you. Some people, they give up so easily because somebody doesn't believe in them. Somebody close says something negative about them. Somebody close is derogatory about them, and they give up. It could be a friend. It could be a family member. It could be a co-worker. It could be a student at school. It could be a teacher. It could be a leader that doesn't believe in you, and so many people throw in the towel and give up. And David experienced this. I want to talk to you about this story just in case some of you are not familiar with the story. You see, David, his oldest brothers, they were were all down as trained fighting men fighting against the Philistine army. In particular, this giant named Goliath. And David, the youngest son, was still home with his father Jesse. Jesse. And he want, Jesse wanted to find out how his sons were doing as they're in this battle against the Philistines. So he said, Go take this food down to your brothers and bring me back some assurance, a report about how your brothers are doing. And so, so David shows up at the battle lines. And I want you to notice what his oldest brother says to him. In 1 Samuel chapter 17 and verse 28, it says, But, da- but when David's oldest brother, Eliab, heard David talking to the men, to the other soldiers, he was angry. What are you doing around here anyway, he demanded. I want you to notice the tone. He demanded, what are you doing here anyway? You should be back home with daddy. What about those few sheep? You see how, he, how he's been condescending to David? What about those few sheep you're supposed to be taking care of? You shouldn't be down here at the battle lines. You go back and take, take care of those three sheep. He goes, he, goes, he goes on to say, I know about your pride and deceit. You just want to see the battle. And David's oldest brother was jealous of him. You see, David's oldest brother wanted to be king. And, and, and he, was, he was not chosen by God to be king. king. David was chosen and anointed to be king. And so his oldest brother was jealous of him. So he began to speak derogatory to David. He began to verbally assault David. He began to misjudge David's motives and say, David, I know your motives. You're just deceitful and you're prideful. And friends, Eliab was a major discouragement to David, but I'm sure glad that David did not allow his oldest brother's discouragement to cause him to give up. He pressed past the discouragement and did not give up. And some of you, you have people in your life that are discouraging you. They don't believe in you. They don't believe in your dream. They're always talking derogatory to you. They're always talking negative to you. And some of you, they're getting in your mind and you're about to throw in the towel. Let me tell you something about haters. Anybody got some haters? Let me talk to you about haters. Haters going to hate, 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 hate. Shake it off. Shake it off. Haters going to hate. Don't let the haters get in your mind and cause you to throw in the towel. Hear me today. The higher you want to go, the more critics you'll have. The higher you want to go, the more you want to be used by God, the higher you want to elevate up, the more critics you will have. You'll have to learn to embrace your critics to get to where God wants you to be. Listen, the old quote is so true. I love this old quote. It says, to avoid criticism, say nothing, do nothing, be nothing, and then folks won't say nothing about you. But, friends, don't let your critics stop you. Don't let your haters cause you to give up and miss out on a defining moment. Shake it off and move forward with the Lord. Number two is this. There's a second challenge that causes people to give up. Number two is don't give up when you face giants. Don't give up when you face giants. Notice back in 1 Samuel 17, beginning in verse 41. It says, meanwhile, the Philistine. This is this guy's name's Goliath. He's over nine feet tall. He's a trained warrior. He says, with his shield bearer in front of him, kept coming closer to David. He looked David over and saw that he was little more than a boy, glowing with health and handsome, and he despised him. He said to David, am I a dog that you come at me with sticks, with your little cute slingshot? Boy, do you know who I am? I'm Goliath. And the Philistine cursed David by his gods. Come here, he said, and I'll give your flesh to the birds and the wild animals. And friends, hear me. We all face giants. Sometimes when we're going through a battle, when we're facing a giant, we can feel like we're the only one. We want to throw in the towel. But hear your pastor today. We all face giants. And you know what giants love to do? Giants love to intimidate us. Giants want to intimidate you to cause you to give up, to cause you to throw in the towel. And sometimes, like this giant, they'll talk mess to you. And the giant says to David, listen, I'll eat your flesh. I'll give your flesh to the birds of the air and the wild animals. And that giant is trying to intimidate David. And he's doing a pretty good job of intimidating people because if you're not familiar with the story, the Bible says that the fighting men, the Israelite army that's trained soldiers for 40 days and 40 nights, this this giant came out and defied the armies of Israel and says, who wants some? And the Israelite army would do nothing. They were giving up. They were going to give up their freedom and become slaves to the Philistines because they were afraid of this giant. They were intimidated by this giant. But I'm grateful for David. And David said, I'm not going to give up because of a giant. And here's the key about David. Here's what I want you to understand. Here's what you have to grasp, this one key. David realized God was bigger than the giant. God was bigger than the giant. I want you to see David's response to this giant in verse number 45 in 1 Samuel 17. It said, David said to the Philistine, you come against me with sword and spear and javelin, but I come against you in the name of the Lord Almighty, the God of the armies of Israel. He says, listen, listen, my God is bigger than you. He says, whom you have defied, this day the Lord will hand you over to me. He said, come, Bubba, come here, Bubba. Come here, listen to me, boy. My God is bigger than you. He says, and I'll strike you down and cut off your head. Today I will give the carcasses of the Philistine army to the birds of the air and the beasts of the earth, and the whole world will know that there is a God in Israel. My God is bigger than you. Verse 47, and those gathered here will know that it is not by sword or spear that the Lord saves, but for the battle is the Lord's, and he will give you all into our hands. You know what David did? David faced a humongous giant that wanted to keep him from a defining moment but David remembered that God was bigger than his giant hey I have a question for you today at all of our locations would you respond by just lifting a hand up how many of you are facing a giant today in your life just lift a hand up come on just come on You face there, there's we're facing giants here's what I want you to know here's what I want you to know God is bigger than the giant that you're facing God is bigger than the giant that you're facing God is bigger than the giant. Come on, you get that giant in your mind—that's the obstacle for you—and you just need to say, "Come on, this battle is not mine. It's the Lord. Giant, you're bigger, but my God is bigger. You're not gonna stop me, block me. I'm moving forward with the Lord. This giant will come down, and God will prevail. Don't stop trusting God. Don't stop believing God. At the proper time, in due season." You'll reap a harvest if you do not give up. Come on, look at his neighbor and say, He's preaching today. Amen. He's preaching today. Let him, yeah, he's preaching today. Boy, he's number three, number three, number three, number three. The third challenge, the third challenge is don't give up when you make a mistake. Don't give up when you make a mistake. David was one of the greatest kings ever, but he also made one of the biggest, had one of the biggest mess ups ever. In 2 Samuel chapter 11, it talks about this mess up David had. And the story goes like this, that David misused his power. He was standing on the balcony of his home and saw a lady, married woman, called her up to his place, had an affair with her, got her pregnant, had her husband killed who was a soldier in the Israelite army, had him killed, and then tried to cover up his sin. And the prophet Nathan came to David, and he confronted David. And I want you to see David's response when his sin was exposed. Psalms chapter 51, this, this chapter is David's response to, to his sin, to his mistake. And I encourage you to read the entire chapter today. Let me share four verses with you from this chapter. Psalms 51 beginning in verse one, David's response, he says, have mercy on me, O God, according to your unfailing love, according to your great compassion, blot out my transgressions, wash away all my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. For I know my transgressions and, and my sin is always before me. Against you, you only have I sinned and done what is evil in your sight. So you are right in your verdict and justified when you judge now I want you to notice David's response instead of giving up because of his sin David confessed his sin he didn't justify it. He didn't blame other people for it. He confessed it before God. Because the Bible says this, when we confess our sins, God is faithful and just to forgive us and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And friends, hear me today. We serve a God of mercy, of God of compassion, of God of grace. Instead of giving up because of your sin, because of your mistake, don't you give up. Confess your sin to God because he's a God that will you, that will wash you, that will forgive you. Listen, aren't you glad that God is a God of a second chance and a third chance and a fourth chance and a hundred chances? Don't you give up? (laughs) Confess your sin to God. Confess your sin to God. And let me say this to you. You see, and don't allow the consequences of sin cause you to give up. You see, people get forgiveness and consequences all mixed up in their mind. You see, David confessed his sin, and when he did, God forgave him. God forgave him. He washed away his sin. God is a forgiving God. He's a God of grace. But God forgiving David did not stop David from experiencing the consequences of his sin. And if you study the life of David, he experienced some severe consequences because of his sin. He was forgiven, but he went through consequences. And what I love about David, even though he went through consequences, he did not give up. He did not throw in the towel. He didn't say, well, I'm going to stop serving God. I'm going to give up on my dream. No, David did not give up because of the consequences. And some of you right now, you're facing consequences. You're thinking, man, I don't like where I'm at in life. I don't like, listen, of the harvest that I've reaped because of what I've sown. I don't like what I'm seeing. I can't believe this. God, I ask for forgiveness. I ask you to wash me. I ask you to cleanse me. And God, if you did all that, then why am I going through this? And, And listen, God will forgive you, but that does not mean you will escape the consequences of your sin. And the big thing is this, don't let the consequences of your sin drive you away from God. Let it drive you to God. Don't let your sin drive you away from God. Let it drive you to God. Don't you give up because of the consequences of sin? Let me tell you something, you don't give up because God has not given up on you. You don't give up on God. He still has a plan. He still has a purpose. He's not done with you. Don't let it drive you away from God. Let it drive you to God. Don't let it drive you away from church. Let it drive you to church. Don't let it drive you away from prayer. Let it drive you to prayer. Don't let it drive you away from worship. Let it drive you to worship. Don't let it drive you away from the word. Let it drive you to the word of God. Don't give up. Don't throw in the towel because of the consequences. Let it drive you to God. Romans 8, verse 28 says, For we know all things work together for the good of those who love God. Come on, you got to keep loving God. You got to keep pursuing God. You got to keep putting God first. You got to keep seeking first the kingdom of God because all things, that's good and bad. That's pretty and ugly. The Bible says all things work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose. Listen, God can take your mess and turn it into a message if you just do not give up. Number four is this. Number four is this. Number four is this. The fourth challenge is don't give up while you are waiting. Don't give up while you are waiting. Here's a tough one right here. 1 Samuel chapter 16, verse 13 says, So Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him in the presence of his brothers. This is when David... Was anointed to be the king of Israel in the presence of his brothers, and that's why Eliab was jealous of him. And from that day on, the Spirit of the Lord came powerfully upon David. Samuel then went to Ramah. David, and if you study history, he was around 15 years old when he was anointed and chosen to be king. Some historians, some say, you know, he was 10 to 12, but, but most say he was around the age of 15 when he was anointed to be the king of Israel. And I want you to notice what happened to, to David after he was chosen and anointed to be king. Notice this in 1 Samuel 16, verse 19. Then Saul sent messengers to Jesse and said, send me your son, David, who is with the sheep. What? He's anointed to be king. He's chosen to be king. The Spirit of God's on him to be king, and he's, going, he's working with sheep? What's up with that? Everybody say, Process. Mm-hmm. Process, 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 process. Verse 20 says this. So Jesse took a donkey, loaded it with bread, a skin of wine, and a young goat, and sent them with his son David to Saul. David came to Saul and entered his service. What? He's anointed to be king? He's chosen to be king? And he's serving the king? That doesn't make sense. Why is he serving the king? Everybody say, Process mm mm-hmm, process. Saul, it goes on to say, Saul liked him very much, and David became one of his armor bearers. David did a good job serving Saul, even though he was anointed to be king, because the Bible says Saul liked him very much and made him one of his armor bearers, made him a part of his inner Circle. He's there serving the king. After David was chosen to be king and anointed to be king, he went back to work with sheep, and then he went to the king's palace not to be the king but to serve the king. You see, David inherit the promise of God not because he was chosen and anointed to be king but because he did not give up. He didn't give up because it was a process for David. If you don't know the story of David, King Saul tried to kill David on many occasions David was running for his life, and, and many of the psalms were written by David as he's running for his life and saying, God will you? God what's going on, God struck down my enemies, and he's writing those psalms as he's running from King Saul, as he's running from the army that King Saul has after him. David's hiding out in caves, he's eating crazy food, he, some nights he's lonely and hungry, even his own fighting men get discouraged, and his own men wanted to kill him. He's fighting giants, he's fighting wars, I mean 50. Fifteen years goes by before David ever became king. Fifteen years. Process. You see, if you want to inherit the promise, you got to go to the process. You see, we live in a generation that loves prominence, power, prestige, but they hate process. They want power. They they want prominence. They they want prestige, but they hate process process. Oh, God, promote me, but let me avoid the process. There, there was a, a gentleman several years ago. He came to me because he wanted to start preaching. He let me know, hey, I want to I preach. I'm called to preach. And man, I love that. We love people called to preach. We raise up people, want to invest in people. And, and But what he meant was, I'm called to preach, so I need to start preaching now. <laughs> called to preach. I'm like, man, that's great. So... Here's step one. Step one, I want you to get with my youth pastor, one of my youth pastors, and I want you to get, start, start hanging with him, and he's gonna, gonna help you. Oh, he didn't like that? He got mad at me? He actually quit coming to church, got mad at us, talked about us, and still not preaching today. Because he didn't understand. He wanted promotion. He wanted prominence. He wanted, he, he, he wanted blessing. He, he, he wanted these things. He wanted power, but he didn't want process. And God works through process. I'm going to ask the worship team to come at all the campuses, all the worship team. Would Would you join me at every single location? Listen, we switched the order of service up a little bit because, listen, today we wanted to end with the worship song of us worshiping God. Listen, don't, leave, don't you leave early because if you leave early, you're going to miss out on a blessing. Amen. I pray the Lord give everybody hemorrhoids that left early. Amen. So I wouldn't leave early. Mm-mm, no child. There's a blessing in this house today because I'm telling you, it's process. It's process. You want the promise. It's process. Somebody says, I'm single, Pastor. When God bring me my man, I want a godly man, holy man of God. I've been waiting two years for a man. I want a fine man of God, fine, buff man of God that loves Jesus. Lord, it's been two years, God. When you bring in my man, I don't see him, Lord. I guess I'll have to settle and marry that joker, come to church once every six months. I guess, Lord. Don't you give up. Don't you lower your standards. You're in process. Don't grow weary in doing good in due season. Pastor, my marriage is on the rocks. Tired of that woman, tired of that man. Got my papers, found them bad boys. Can't wait for the relationship series because I need a new one. Don't you give up. You're in process. Don't grow weary in doing good. In due season, you'll reap a harvest. Pastor, I'm in school and it's hard. I got an F in college. I'm difficult. I'm just sick of it. It's not for me. Don't give up. Process. Don't grow weary in doing good. Pastor, I hate my job. Don't like anybody I work with. Matter of fact, when I go to work, I don't even like me. Don't grow weary in doing good. Process. You will not inherit the promise without the process. You have a dream. But between you and the dream is the process. Just ask Moses. Had a dream to be a deliverer of a nation. Ended up on the backside of the desert for 40 years before he ever saw the dream come to pass at age 80. Process. Process. Just ask Abraham who left Haran and had a dream to be a father of many nations but doesn't have the promised child until 25 years later at 100 years old. Process! Just ask Joseph who had a dream at 17 to be a leader and a ruler. And at age 17, he had a dream. And then he was sold into slavery by his own brothers. He ended up in Potiphar's house, falsely accused, thrown into prison. The dream didn't come to pass until 13 years later. Process! Ask Jesus, who left heaven and came to earth, had a dream to save humanity, and didn't preach his first sermon and perform miracles until the age of 30. Spent 30 years preparing and three years preaching. Process! Process! Stay with me all around this building. Stand, 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 stand. Come on, stand, 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 stand. Come on, it's not over. It's not finished. It's not ending. It's only the beginning. When God is in it, all things become new. Come on, somebody, close your eyes. Throw your hands up to heaven. Come on, sing this song right now. Come on, sing it with us. Sing it with us. Come on, it's not over today. It's not over. It's
1: not over. Come on, it's not over. It's not finished. It's not ending. It's only the beginning When God is
2: in it
1: All things are
2: new It's not over! Ooh, ooh, all things are new ooh,
1: ooh. Come on, sing us song I know it's dark Just before the dawn Just before the dawn This might be the hardest. the The season you've experienced. I know it hurts. It won't be too long. You're closer than you think you are. You're closer than you've been before. So look to the sky. Help is on the way.
2: you give up process process don't give up don't give